Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And you're listening to The Spooky Hour. Hey, friends. Scary duck. I am a duck. (laughs) Hey, guys. It's been a week. It has. I like to tell you how this week is going. um, I forgot we were recording. So, it's been that. Daniel texts me something completely unrelated to recording, and we usually record at like 5 p.m. And I'm just like laying down on my couch, half asleep, and I'm like, I look, and it's 4.45, and I was like, oh, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Must boogie. Yeah, I boogied. Boogie, I did. I'm still a little bit out of breath, to be honest. Oh, my God, same. I'm out of breath for you, just thinking about that. Thank you, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, so it's it's been a week. It's been hot as all fucking hell this week in Ontario. Oh, it's, like, too hot. It's, like, disgustingly hot. Like, we've been in the 40s all week. Yeah. Uh, oh, you guys are American. What is that, like... 85 plus i don't know i don't it's know. hot man i don't so know what the conversion I, is <laughs> me either i don't know why i pretended to know my pool though is 90 degrees fahrenheit it measures in fahrenheit i know that <laughs> so my the pool right things. now is about the temperature of the air um and i was trying to explain to danielle earlier the way resin works uh it like cures in in certain temperature and stuff it's so hot out that like my resin thinks it's still fresh and it's been sitting there for like five hours now and it's still completely wet and it won't dry because i had to bring it inside literal hell outside thinking about frying an egg on the sidewalk for dinner oh my god yes (laughs) um i was like in a video meeting and everyone's like in a t-shirt and all this stuff and i'm bundled up in like a sweater like freezing my butt (laughs) off and everyone's like what is going on i'm like uh it's ac and i have a husky and it's a million degrees outside so yeah yeah yeah. my house is so cold right now i have on wool socks i have sweatpants i have a blanket i don't mean to brag i'm sorry but like this is the climate i need (laughs) (laughs) this is i want fall temperature year round honestly i just want sweater weather where i'm not hot i'm not cold but you walk along the pathway and you're stepping all on the dead leaves and it's great I don't know if you guys can tell how depressed we are in the heat by our, like, constant Halloween posts all of a sudden. Yeah. I think I've done, like, two or three already in the last week. (laughs) Guys, I'm hot. But we also just wanted to say thank you. Always. everyone listening, because, like, we're absolutely astounded. Outstanding. Yeah, we hit 2,000 downloads this week. Yeah, and we're way over that now. 2,000. Yeah, last time I looked, we were, like... 2050 but that was literally like five minutes after i posted the 2000 (laughs) so like you guys are blowing us away and Um, we are like flabbergasted we never even thought we would get to 2000 downloads so thank you guys you guys are lovely i'm excited for this episode though i'm afraid i almost i want to switch and make you go first just because i'm like impatient (laughs) but on the bright side you guys mine is kind of short this week short but highly highly disturbing yeah i'm not ready for it are we just, are we going to dive right in right now? I think we should that's, because that's... I'm not prepared. I, I've, Holly gave me a hint and all she said is <laughs> dead babies. So. <laughs> so I wrote notes in my, uh, my phone when like ideas pop in my head for episodes. And my mom told me about this one. And I have a note in my phone right now that just says in all capital letters, dead babies. And that's it. So that's your, uh, that's your precursor for this episode. <laughs> Yeah, so if you're listening to this at like 9 in the morning, I hope you have a drink ready because I do. Yeah, spike that coffee. I'm so sorry, you guys. I don't know why I'm like this. Um, 
but yeah, obviously massive discretion warning here. The episode uh, revolves entirely around the deaths of multiple infants, multiple infants. Um, I don't know why I'm like this. I'm so sorry, you guys. <laughs> but it's a cool case, okay? It's a cool case. There's science. Um, my mother actually told me about this case, and I'm shocked I've never heard about it because it happened right here in Toronto. Uh, in one of our most famous hospitals, the Toronto Sick Kids Hospital. What? Fun fact of the day, one of the suspects in this case was the nurse where my parents used to work. Uh, my parents met at work. It's so adorable. Um, so once this story came out in the press, everyone at their work would, like, refuse to be sent to her if they were injured or whatever. They would literally, like, wait in a massive line for the other nurse because they didn't want to go to her. I mean, I don't blame them. <laughs> um, yeah. When you hear what she's accused of, uh, I think you would do the same as them, but... Hear me out. It's a crazy case. So this story starts in 1980 at Toronto Sick Kids Hospital, specifically in the cardiac unit. This unit housed several gravely ill children and babies. On June 30th, 1980, 18-day-old Laura Woodcock passed away under, quote, strange circumstances in the cardiac unit. Um, I couldn't find much elaboration as to what they mean by strange circumstances. But from what I gather, she was, like, sick but not dying. Yeah. And the fact that she died was, like, very unexpected. Um, after her death, 43 other babies died in this unit until around March of 1981. 43? 43 babies. Deaths in a hospital, especially in a pediatric cardiac ward, are totally expected. However, McLean's Magazine reports that this was an increase of 625% at the time. Obviously, something wow. was not right because that is a massive jump. That's really bad. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine, like, uh, you get audited at the end of the year? It's like deaths up 625%. Like, what did you do? Yeah, like, seriously. Um, so, allegedly, during this time, the nurses started approaching the cardiac doctors and raised suspicions about some of the deaths. Uh, an internal investigation was opened, but they did it quietly because they didn't want to raise suspicions. And, you know, if someone was doing it, they didn't want them to suddenly stop. Well, they wanted them to stop doing it, but they wanted to catch them first. Yeah, they didn't want them to, like, flee and not be able to catch them. Exactly. In March of 1981, two infants named Justin Cook and Kevin Garnett also passed away under similar circumstances. Justin's father demanded an autopsy was performed, and that's when they found their first clue. Both boys had an abnormally large dose of the drug called digoxin in their system. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Digoxin. Yeah. Um, note... Did no one else ask for an autopsy? Right? Like, they're just, like, the other family members are just like, eh, it's fine. It died. Like, I understand to an extent if, if you know, your baby was gravely ill and on its way out kind of thing, like, maybe you wouldn't. I would. Like, yeah. this is the first autopsy and we're already, like, a couple months into these mysterious deaths. So, yes, they found um, a high dose of the drug digoxin in their systems. A third unnamed female baby was also found to have digoxin in her system 13 times the recommended dose. Wow. So... Yeah. Uh, digoxin is a drug that's used to treat heart conditions, so it makes sense that it was used in the unit and used on these babies, but why is there such, like, an alarmingly high amount? Like, there's no need for that. Um, so an official not-so-quiet police investigation was finally opened after these three autopsies, um, and the numbers were, like, way beyond their belief. 24 babies had died in the same time frame under the same circumstances. Uh, the, so they all had the digoxin in their systems. Yeah. There was an easy way to narrow down the person or people responsible. Uh, they just looked at the work schedule. Makes sense. Uh, investigators looked at the entire nursing schedule to see who was working on the days that these mysterious deaths took place. And this is where we meet nurse Susan Nels. 
Uh, Susan Nels was a 25-year-old nurse in the sick kids pediatric pediatric ward. That word is so hard today. It's so difficult. <laughs> Uh, in the Sick Kids Pediatric Ward, she was one of a small team led by Phyllis Trainer, who comes into play in a little bit. Um, of the suspicious baby deaths, Nels had been present for more than half. Uh, Nels had also been Justin Cook's only nurse, and she was actually with him when he passed away. Um, suspicions began to arise about her because she was allegedly, like, really cold and calloused in response to some of the infant's deaths. Um, allegedly, she made some cruel comments about one of the deaths and showed, like, a lack of compassion to the to the family of another victim. Like, you know, having had someone pass away in a hospital, like, our nurses immediately were like, hugs, like, gather around. Like, so she apparently did not do that at all. Yeah, she just, uh, she just kind of, like, walked away, brushed it off um phyllis trainer who is the nursing team lead she was spotted injecting a young girl named alana miller with an unknown and unprescribed drug alana died just three hours later but no charges were ever filed against phyllis due to are you sitting down i'm lack yep. of edit lack of evidence <laughs> how was that lack of evidence a lack of evidence that someone witnessed her injecting a baby with something and then that baby died but there's a lack of evidence. So anyway, she was never charged, but the accusations haunted her for the rest of her life, including at my parents' work. So she was the one who moved to my parents' work afterwards. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. No one wanted to associate with her, and I can't say I blame them. Uh, weirdly enough, while the investigations were happening, Trainer and one other nurse reported finding heart medications crushed up in their food. Was someone taunting her, or did she put them in there herself to throw off the investigators? big old question mark we never find out sorry um but i thought that was interesting to know that is really weird uh anyways back to the uh initial investigation uh investigators found that digoxin was not regulated in the hospital meaning it was not locked away like some of the other drugs uh while the investigation went on another baby died with high levels of digoxin in their system finally the hospital decided to put digoxin under strict control um, and then several babies in a different war became sick. It was found that these babies had high levels of epinephrine in their systems. Um, that drug was not even supposed to be used in that unit at the time. So that's strange. So was um, she still working in the... in the? Yep. Everyone still was working. Um, we, I never found out what happened to these babies with the epinephrine. They never pinned this case to these nurses. Okay. But this was happening at the same time, weirdly okay. enough. Investigators continued to pursue Susan Nels. Uh, when asked if she would voluntarily come in for questioning, she refused unless her lawyer was also present. Uh, this raised some red flags, but she claimed that she was just simply taking advice from her friend who was in law school. Um, I will say that is good advice to have because you do see cases of uh, the police bullying people into confessing. So as sketchy as it is, good idea, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, eventually police arrested her based on her working schedule and her refusal to cooperate. They charged her with four of the murders. Um, so officially eight of the 43 infant deaths were ruled murders, but they were only able to pin four on her. Okay. So they all died under similar circumstances, but they, for whatever reason, just picked four. I don't know if it was a statute of limitations thing or what. Um, but a pre preliminary hearing had decided that there was simply not enough evidence. And on top of that, she was actually not scheduled during one of the alleged murders that she was charged with. So the charges were dropped. All of them? <laughs> All four of them? All of them. All of them. <sighs> <laughs> they figured, you know, if she's not present for one of the deaths and they believed one person was committing all of these murders, 
then obviously she didn't do it. But also during this uh, preliminary hearing, they discovered that during the shifts where infants were killed, Phyllis Trainer would cover lunch breaks for Susan Nels. Okay. So Phyllis, who, who injected the girl that died, was covering Susan's lunch breaks. Sketchy. So to me and many other members of the public at the time, this was starting to look like a two-person job. Yeah. So they tried to, to put out in the press that these two were doing it, they were working together, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, investigations went on for several years and nothing ever really came of them. There was just not enough to solidly pin the deaths on them. Okay. Uh, however, Susan and Phyllis's reputations were tarnished. Uh, Susan would do anything she could to clear her name, and she actually ended up suing the courts. Um, she continued her work as a nurse and actually established herself as a well-renowned member of the medical field despite the accusations. She won several awards and even had a scholarship named after her. She Shut used the funds. Up. <laughs> Shut up right now. I know it's fucking but just 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 wait we're not done yet you might not be as mad as you think I am so stressed (laughs) out right now like what the actual (laughs) hell um so she used the funds she won from her civil suit to help fund this scholarship um and slowly but surely people forgot about these deaths and just saw her as this well-renowned well-respected hard-working nurse um in 2011, a retired doctor named Gavin Hamilton published a book with his take on the murders, or rather his takes on the deaths, as he did not actually believe they were murders. The book, titled, quote, The Nurses Are Innocent, very creative. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well thought he out. States, yeah, he states that the real killer was a chemical found in rubber called MBT. I know what you're thinking. How the hell did rubber kill babies? But just like, hear me out. We're going to get into some science. Uh, In the 1980s, rubber was used for just about everything, including IV lines and disposable syringes. Apparently, this was when single-use pre-filled medication syringes were being introduced. Uh, The idea behind these single-use syringes was that they could uh, reduce errors, uh, like prevent overdoses and stuff by having the medications pre-measured out, ready to go. They could also be stored for up to three years, so that's why they were so popular. Okay. Uh, according to Hamilton, the rubber was slowly leaching into the IV lines and needles administered to these babies, eventually causing their deaths. But there was digoxin found in these baby systems. Obviously, it was the digoxin that killed them. However, let me science you some more. Um, according to Hamilton and also science, MBD can look like digoxin in post-mortem tests, so it mimics the chemical or the... I can't science. I don't know why I tried to science so much. Um, so the the uh, MBT looks like whatever digoxin looks like in your blood. Oh, so it mimics okay. it. Um, also, fun fact, digoxin actually stays circulating in your body after you die and can present a false reading as to how much was administered the day the victim died. So some of these babies that had, quote, 13 times the amount might not have actually had that amount. It might just be, like, built up in their systems. Okay. So Hamilton also notes, at the same time of the sick kids' deaths, um, Australian researchers warned of MBT's lethal effects, especially in infants. Also, a study took place in England from 1980 to 1983 and found, quote, potentially toxic levels of MBT in 91 babies. Holy crap. (laughs) So he was right? um, Well, officially, the case remains sort of kind of open, Um, all charges were dropped and the investigation just sort of fizzled and died out. So there's no real 
concrete answer as to what happened to these poor babies um with so many of the quote angel of death cases it's incredibly easy to stay mad at susan and phyllis Uh, it just makes sense in your head right like yeah so someone had to be behind these deaths and what little evidence the police did have pointed to these nurses like it just makes sense that it would be them yeah but maybe it was all just a tragic accident because of faulty equipment uh personally i don't think we'll ever know for sure i don't think they're ever going to reopen this case or dive deeper into it um so eventually the deaths sorry i just got so mad at those nurses for no reason apparently <laughs> well we don't know it, it, it's you so hard know. to t- because especially um the one where like phyllis injected her and she died three hours later but she wasn't like prescribed anything that needed injecting so like what was she injecting yeah like wh- why are you going out of your bound you're not a doctor so why are you doing that yeah <laughs> uh so the deaths eventually did slow to a quote normal rate um and there could be several reasons behind this uh one the hospital did eventually phase out all rubber uh two they kept digoxin under lock and key and three they kept nursing staff under a very strict watch after this um so it could be a that the the rubber was killing them and now that they've stopped using it it's stopped or b whoever if someone was killing these babies it's really hard to when you're under that close of a watch now right and everything's locked and hidden away so again we still don't really know why they stopped yeah personally and this will probably be the only time in the history of the spooky hour i will say this i think they're innocent i do yeah there's just not enough evidence to scream murder Murder. at me like there um so there are tons of studies and information backing up the rubber theory and that to me is more concrete than you know a working schedule (laughs) that shows that they were all there like nurses work a lot (laughs) like that's all they do is work exactly the only thing i can't get past though is the nurses that found the drugs in their food yeah that's kind of weird this bothers me but like it's not enough to convince me of murder so for the first time ever in the history of the spooky hour i'm gonna say they're innocent sorry dun 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 (laughs) that threw me for a loop i was so mad i was so mad when my mom first told me about this, I was like, hold on, how did I not know that these people killed 43 babies? Yeah. But then I started reading about it. I was like, oh, wait, they didn't. I, I, I don't think they did. I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? Let us know yeah. in the comments for this episode. You know how we do that post where we're like, hey, this is our episode. Let us know what you think. This is a weird one. It is very weird because you're so torn because you want someone because like these are like innocent babies that died. exactly and you want to blame someone yeah that's exactly it you want to blame somebody for their deaths and if it's just a freak accident then you kind of can't and the the whole like angel of mercy whatever theory like it's so popular in any hospital you know when there's a huge number of patients dying everyone's immediately like oh my god it's a nurse doing it like that's where your mind goes naturally but this this makes you think a little yeah it does that just threw me for a loop definitely not as bad as i thought it was i thought i was gonna have to be like drunk by the time this was over (laughs) i just know that like dead babies is like a a sensitive topic (laughs) it's a very trigger warning for me (laughs) (laughs) i i don't know not not everyone loves dead babies no i mean who would if you like dead babies you're fucked what the hell (laughs) seek help if you do that's fucking weird (laughs) but yeah that was that that was the first time ever i'm siding with the quote science suspect. oh science good old science good i tried good so hard science. to science and like i thought i had it down like i i had i've told everybody about the story who like doesn't listen to my podcast aka carl and <laughs> like i was so excited about the science and as soon as i started talking about it i'm like i have no idea what i'm saying science. holly you're uh you can be like the new bill nye holly nye holly, the science the guy science guy bill 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 not but always right but i'm always funny so. yeah 
that's that's all that matters but did you i didn't realize that happened in toronto that's fucked no i had no idea i'm i'm really stepping on holly's toes this week like big that's time fine so I, I i didn't even have my own toes this week i agreed with the suspect so like you're just me today okay i i hope i do justice because i have like a true crime but it, it ends a little bit spooky but there's more true crime to it and that's what i'm gonna go over because i love this case i'm here for it i'm so ready okay we're gonna talk about the lizzie borden house <gasps> duh duh <laughs> I knew if I gave Holly too many hints, she'd guess it. And I didn't want that. So this murder case is probably one of the most famous in America. A lot of people have covered it. And obviously I'm going to cover it because it's I, I just like it. It's cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to go into some history. So Elizabeth or Lizzie Borden was born July 19th, 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> I said it. I've yes. been i said it like 18 times before we started this podcast because this is I'm... fucking so funny i'm never doing a story from that state ever again <laughs> ever <laughs> f- i'm gonna bit- butcher it every time but i said it so that's all i'm not saying it again it's on record you know what we should do we should keep that clip and just edit and it every in. time one of us says it just we <laughs> have <laughs> done that's that's what's gonna happen oh, i love it i don't care if i'm the one supposed to be saying it we're using your voice yeah <laughs> So Lizzie's mother, Sarah, died soon after Lizzie was born. Her father, Andrew Borden, remarried a few years later to Abby Durfee Gray. Um, Lizzie had an older sister named Emma. She was born in 1851, so she was like nine years older than Lizzie. So she was older. Um, It's said that Lizzie and Emma didn't have a good um, relationship with their stepmother, Abby. They refused to call her mom and called her Mrs. Borden, which is like... (laughs) you're the stepmom you don't necessarily have to be called mom yeah you can't force kids to do that it's supposed to happen naturally and all that stuff exactly and obviously they didn't like her um it said (laughs) they were like worried she was going to take all of their father's money so apparently their father had purchased a home for abby's half sister so lizzie and emma were pretty like upset about it um andrew borden was pretty well off he was involved in real estate development and all that fancy stuff so his net worth today would be roughly like 10 million dollars he wow. had a lot of money so he yeah. had like 10 bucks back then basically <laughs> basically 10 bucks <laughs> millennial <That's> exactly, jokes it's <laughs> exactly how that works um so he had a pretty good standing with the community blah 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 um there was uh, like a wealthy neighborhood in fall river it was called the hill but Andrew was apparently, like, extremely modest and refused. Sorry, I thought I instantly saw Lauren Conrad when you said that. Of course. <laughs> I did the same thing. I was writing it. I was like, yo, Lauren Conrad. Uh, the song's going in my head right now. Okay, sorry. Oh, my God. Um, Andrew, so he was, like, extremely, like, modest and refused to live in that neighborhood, even though they had, like, a shit ton of money. Um, so they lived in a very, like, small, modern house. Well, it wasn't really small, but it was, like, an average size house. Mm-hmm. Nothing too fancy. So it was Andrew, Abby, Emma, and Lizzie. They all lived in the house together alongside their maid, Bridget Sullivan. Um, her nickname was Maggie. Um, it said Lizzie didn't like living that way. Um, and she knew her father made a lot of money and always pushed for him to, like, move to the hill neighborhood. And she wanted, like, that rich lifestyle. She mm-hmm. wanted it. And so she was kind of annoyed that her dad would go out and buy Abby's half-sister but not like his kids yeah exactly so she was i I feel that i'd be bitter too of course you would i would be too (laughs) i think we all would so on in the morning of august 4th 1892 abby or abby and andrew borden were found dead in their home um, according to reports, at 11.15 a.m., Lizzie was outside the barn when she heard, and I quote, he- a heavy fall and a subdued groaning. Mm. Lizzie had then made her way back to the house and found her father, Andrew, laying on the couch, beaten to death with an axe. Um, it's said that he'd been sleeping at the time of the attack, so he probably 
wasn't aware of what was going on. Like, he was asleep, and then all of a sudden he was dead. So he had no idea. Yeah. So Andrew had been hit in the head with the axe 11 times. Holy shit. There are crime scene photos, and we're going to post it. That's angry. Yeah, that's angry. That's personal. Um, So there are crime scene photos, um, and we are going to post them. So he was hit in the head 11 times. That's brutal. You just see his body and a mashed up head. It's really, it's gross. Great. Very wonderful. Yeah. Um, so after Lizzie found her father, Maggie, who's the maid, was asleep upstairs. She heard screaming. Um, and this is what she heard. And I quote, come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody come or somebody came in and killed him. So that's what Maggie heard. So Maggie mm-hmm. had went and run, ran downstairs to find Lizzie standing over Andrew's dead body. Lizzie had told her to go run to get a doctor. And so Maggie went out, but actually came back with a neighbor. So there was apparently a doctor that lived across the street and he wasn't there. So oh, she cool. went and got like the next person. Oh, I thought she got the, <laughs> no, he wasn't I thought there. she got the neighbor doctor. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so she came back with a neighbor. It was the neighbor that then asked where Abby was. Um, Lizzie responded with, and I quote, Oh, Maggie, I'm almost sure he- I heard her come in. Go upstairs and see if she's there. That's fucking sketchy because like, I understand she's like your stepmom, but like yeah. if you came in and saw your dad's face axed to death on a couch, would your first instinct be like, where the fuck is Abby? Where's my mother? Go get her. And so just yeah. like nonchalant, be like, oh, but he's also, dead. Wasn't mm. she like outside and then she said she she heard her come in? Yeah. Hmm. Your lies hmm. ain't adding up, Lizzie. Exactly. It's so fucking weird. So Maggie and the next door neighbor went upstairs to find Abby laying on the floor in the guest bedroom also axed to death abby was hit 18 times in the head with the axe 18 times even more angry yep crime scene photos for that that one too just for you guys great Um, thanks you're welcome i would just like to point out that like i feel like one axe blow kills someone yeah so this is is rage this beyond overkill yeah yeah um it said at the time of abby's murder that she was facing the person who attacked her so she was hit at the side of her head like right above her ear um, which then made her like turn away and fall to the ground. And then the other 17 hits were to the back of the head. What a coward. Yeah. So she fell face down and they continued to beat her in the head with the axe. Um, what That's el- cowardly. Yep. And what else is really interesting is that it said that Abby was actually killed first. So Abby died before Andrew. Hmm. Yeah. So Weird that uh, I heard her come in. She was upstairs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Think about Weird. that. Think about Sips that. coffee. so police were called to the scene and immediately suspected lizzie so she was not immediately taken into custody at the time but they did make her a suspect like the prime suspect um her sister emma wasn't in the house she was out of town at a friend's um their uncle john morris he was actually visiting at the time so he was staying in that guest bedroom where abby was found Um, okay yeah so but he wasn't home during the murders he was actually in town visiting a sick family member um so there was no right alibis um so there was no evidence of a robbery and this murder took place in broad daylight like in the morning um on a busy street near downtown and no one saw anything or heard anything besides lizzie and maggie was in the house too those are the only two people that were home (laughs) i just see like big red pointing arrows right (laughs) um so police questioned lizzie on the spot and were extremely suspicious about her they said that she didn't seem to like be really upset that they died um and didn't even like cry when talking to police about her dead parents just like very calm just very weird Mm -hmm. not your normal my parents just died Mm -hmm. during the interrogation lizzie apparently like shifted her story a lot and like she would like 
talk to different police officers and she would like change her story like say one thing to one cop and then another cop would come in and like her story would like shift slightly and there just Mm -hmm. would be inconsistencies like like she would hear like groaning and ran into the house and then talking to another cop she'd be like i didn't hear anything i just went inside that's that's it (laughs) really sketchy she's really bad at lying yeah The cops did find the head of an axe or a, or a hatchet. So they're not sure if he, she died or the, uh, they're not sure if Andrew um, and Abby died with an axe or a hatchet, but they did find a head of one in mm-hmm. the basement in the board and home. Um, it was next to a bunch of other axes and hatchets, but this one was the only one that was missing the handle. So back then they were all made out of wood. So if you were to beat someone, probably- the blood would stain the wood, right? So obviously the handle's gone. Oh, I figured that it, like, busted off from, like, the sheer force. But, no, that's that, good. Yeah. That oh, God, hiding DNA back in the day before DNA was even a thing. Right? She's Apparently, smart. during this time, though, um, fingerprints were starting to come into play within, like, in England. They were starting well, to use sense. them. Yeah. Because it was just, like, powder, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, you know, in CSI Miami where they have the 3D. Like, <laughs> <laughs> powder is fine. <laughs> powder will work. They had powder back then. But apparently it was, like, a big thing in England. Like, it was starting to become a big thing. And, like, mm-hmm. the cops in, like, Boston didn't were just like, man, we're not going to do that. That's too much work. <laughs> Makes too much sense. Yeah. Um, so five days after the murder, authorities arranged an inquest. And Lizzie had um, to take the stand each and every day. Um, fun fact, throughout this whole thing, this was the only time Lizzie testified under oath. Through this whole entire thing, this is the only time she testified under oath. Um, a week after the murders, Lizzie was arrested for the murders and sent to the county jail. Um, so I'm just going to fast forward a little to like the actual trial. Um, on November 7th, 1892, a grand jury heard evidence of the murders. Um, and on December 2nd, it was decided and Lizzie Borden was indicted on murder charges. Um, the trial started almost like a whole year later on June 5th, 1893. So the hatchet head we talked about, it was brought up in the trial. Prosecute- prosecutors argued that the handle was removed as it would have been covered in blood. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of just like nonchalant, like whatever, that's fine. Um, Alice Russell testified in the trial. So this was a friend of Lizzie's um, and she stayed with Lizzie and her sister, Emma, after the mm-hmm. murders happened, um, just as like a comfort thing. Um, she I don't st- trust her already. <laughs> right. <laughs> But she she did, she's, nah, I'll just get to it. You'll see. Um, <laughs> so she did testify on the trial. She said that on August 8th, 1892, um, she caught Lizzie burning a dress in the kitchen. Um, so this was j- like, what, four days after the murder. Um, Lizzie had said she got paint on her dress and it ruined the dress. So she burnt it. Paint. Paint. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so Lizzie's inconsistencies with her story and just like, oddly weird behavior was also brought up in the courtroom but apparently her doctor gave her morphine to calm her down and that was the excuse so the reason why she was so calm and like like again inconsistencies with her story they blamed it on the morphine they said she was drugged up basically yeah interesting i didn't know that fact like i knew i've I've known most of this so far but i didn't know that yeah yeah that's interesting and during the trial apparently like there was like riots going on with this trial because they were mad that this that Lizzie got arrested for these murders because everyone believed that she didn't do it. So really? people, yeah. So there was like because it was like a big like women's movement and there was a lot True. of she had a yeah. lot of women supporters behind her and they were like it was so this was like huge back then. But like what was what was their alternative? Who did they think did it? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yep. 
So Andrew and Abby's skulls were also used as evidence in the trial, and they actually brought the skulls into the courtroom. Apparently, oh. Lizzie fainted after seeing them. I mean, I would too. Even if you yeah, murdered something, I hope you would actually do it. Because, like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, just like the sh- like. Even if she did kill them, yeah, like, the shock of just like, hey, look, a human skull. Like that's that's that's. Yeah, no. if you're like totally fine after that with like, so the skulls have like a like massive holes in them. Like it's just a skull and then a big missing piece. Because what else do they have, right? Ugh. That's yeah, because how- you can't put that back together i guess right like the fragments nope we're getting graphic yeah um so another sketchy thing against lizzie um it was found that she tried to purchase prussic acid prussic i'm pretty sure it's prussic um prussic acid from a local drugstore so that's poison that's how you poison people yeah um it's found in like it's a like pretty much like a plant i'm pretty sure and it's really really toxic to animals like they can just eat it and then die um but it's also sold in like liquid form where you can poison somebody um interesting yeah so she went to her local drugstore tried to get buy this the pharmacist refused to sell it um lizzie said she wanted to clean a seal skin coat with it and the judge ruled it too isolated in time to have any connection she tried to buy this the day before they were murdered i mean like yeah (laughs) the day before they were murdered is this the judge's first case like, i don't i guess so i don't know <laughs> first day on the job like, come on she tried to buy poison and was refused so then the next day they were bludgeoned to death with an axe yeah like so, something that she could find lying around the home yep. like, sketchy so even back in the day the police were just like well i guess he's a judge okay fine no bad police jokes bad judge jokes though because like what bad the fuck? judge jokes he ain't no judge duty <laughs> um so on june 20th 1893 the jury took an hour and a half to deliberate in which they acquitted Lizzie Borden of the murders of Andrew and Abby Borden. And they said that there's no physical evidence that directly linked Lizzie to the murders. That's it. No physical so, evidence. None. None at all. I will say that is, it is highly circumstantial evidence what they have, but yeah. like also it's good circumstantial evidence no other option like what is your other option no one else was home like unless some strange person ran in there took an axe that belonged to the household yep (laughs) you know what i mean like i highly suggest going to read in about her trial because it's nuts like i condensed it heavily yeah but go read about it it's it's just absolutely fucked it's so fucked. stressful yep so i'm just gonna get into some suspects or theories um so obviously the first suspect is lizzie borden hello yes um lizzie like my theory oh well, many people's theories as well just a theory that i agree with um lizzie was very unhappy that her father was so frugal she wanted that rich life she wanted the hill the house in the hills um she was upset her dad purchased a home for abby's half-sister but our stepsister half-sister whatever um but not for lizzie and emma and after her father and stepmother's death lizzie and emma inherited a good chunk of andrew's money Um, two months after the trial so two months after she was acquitted lizzie and her sister bought a home in the hill neighborhood (laughs) convenient and it's like this big huge victorian style home of course yep Um, do you think the sister like knew uh i think she found out i think she like she had to know because like i don't know if they bought a house together and all that stuff it's like i feel like she not she wasn't in on it necessarily but she was just like okay with it maybe yeah i feel like she found i didn't think i feel like she didn't know that lizzie did it and she wanted to believe her sister 
So when the trials happened, she like fully supported her and stuff. But I'll get into one part where like I think she glasses a little. Yeah. Yeah. Like rose colored glasses. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty much it. Um, and then I'll tell you at one part where I think that Lizzie found out or Emma found out that okay. what Lizzie did. Um, so apparently in the neighborhood, Lizzie was very shunned, like heavily shunned. Um, the neighborhood didn't like her and kids pranked her all the time. Um, <laughs> I wonder why. Um, so Lizzie still lived like that fancy rich life. She didn't let those people bother her. She traveled. She visited fa- fancy restaurants, attended theater shows. However, this is where I get into my thing where I think Emma may have found out something. So Lizzie and Emma had a huge falling out in 1904, but it was never given why. (laughs) Yeah, never given why. Um, Emma moved out of the house in 1905, and they never saw each other again. So she probably did find out. Yeah. Um, So Lizzie died on June 1st, 1927 from pneumonia. Her sister Emma died on June 10th, 1927, nine days after Lizzie. She died of a kidney inflammation. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So I feel like Emma may have found out what her sister did and was like, fuck this I think bitch, Emma bye. definitely found out. I, yeah. I think my original theory is trash. She did not know the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she very obviously found out afterwards. Yep. Yep. Um, but obviously she wasn't like, she didn't turn her in or anything. So no. she maybe wanted to protect her sister while also hating her. Yeah. That's all we can like, that's all we have right now is theories. We'll never know. We'll have yeah. no idea. Um, so the next theory or suspect is John Morris, so their uncle. Um, according to Lizzie's story of the events that happened that day of the murders, her uncle John was unaccounted for between 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. Um, as he was staying, like I said, at the Borden home, um, his room was that guest room where Abby was found dead. Um, John said he was visiting. Yeah, convenient, right? Um, John said he was visiting a relative down the road. Um, he was with the town doctor because this relative was sick. Um, however, that doctor was the doctor who showed up to view Andrew and Abby's dead body. So his oh. alibi doesn't match up because the doctor was at the house and he wasn't there. Interesting. Yeah. So very, very weird. Um, so according to Lizzie, uh, she wasn't aware of a will that her father created, but John was. Um, John was also involved in a business with Andrew that was um, failing. It was like a livestock business of some sorts, mm-hmm. but it was like not doing well. Um, so he was unaccounted for during the time of the murders and his business with Andrew was falling apart. Kind of weird. Little. It-, it is really common where business partners like end up murdering the other business partner so that's that's a valid theory yep um but again just like lizzie's all of this is like circumstantial evidence and he was never tried for the murders ever um the next suspect we have is the maid so bridget sullivan or maggie she's like clue yeah it really is (laughs) um so during the murders maggie said she was upstairs on the third floor in her bedroom trying to have a nap um her room yeah her room was located right above the guest room where abby was murdered oh okay you think she would hear something maybe literally maggie said she may not have been fully asleep when the murders happened but she didn't hear anything so she was kind of like in that like in between state where you're not awake but you're not asleep i feel like you hear an axe murder i I imagine screaming i don't know you would hear a thud (laughs) it would be a pretty big thud unless you're like sort of half awake and you just like brush it off like oh it was the cat or something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so why would like maggie even get like what would maggie get out of murdering andrew and abby like let's be real she's a maid there like what would she get out of it conspiracy theory time um so there's a theory going around (laughs) that the murders may not have been committed by one person but by two people 
Lizzie okay. and Maggie. Um, it's said that Lizzie and Maggie were romantically involved. <gasps> yeah. It's also said that Abby found out about this romance and freaked out, saying that she's going to tell Andrew, um, like her father. And obviously back then it was frowned upon. Yeah. Same sex relationships. Yep. Um, so Lizzie didn't want her reputation at the time being tarnished because she had all of her wealthy friends. She didn't want to lose yeah. that that's, that lifestyle. So her and Maggie murdered Abby and Andrew as a cover-up. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't hear that theory. Yeah, that's one of the theories floating around. Because okay. apparently, so um, Lizzie never, like, married, never had, never anything didn't get married but apparently she was involved with someone in the hills neighborhood who was also female and that was one of the reasons why the neighborhood didn't like her oh Mm -hmm. interesting interesting um so currently the house is a bed and breakfast and has been since 1996 the owners restored it to what it should have looked like in 1892 so it's literally called the Lizzie Borden House. That's what the bed and breakfast is called. <laughs> yeah. They even make you the same breakfast that Andrew and Abby ate the, the morning of... The day they of, died? Yeah, the day they died. <laughs> I don't know if I love that or hate that. It's so weird. It's so weird. I love a theme, but like, Jesus, wow. Oh, this these owners went full theme. They went balls to the wall. They oh, love it. I kind of love it, but I hate that... Oh. <laughs> Apparently, before you stay in the home, you can go on, like, a tour of the house with, your like, your tour guide. Um, so, well thought out. Like, you get a gruesome murder story, and then you have to go sleep in the room where the murder happened. Like, Amazing. Uh, five stars on Yelp. Yes, please. I love you. I'd do that. <laughs> um, so, they kept, like, books of photographs that visitors have taken that show orbs and, like, weird mists. And they have, like, a little description on what was happening at that time of the picture. So, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool um so none of the furniture is original to the house but the owners did a pretty damn good job um at getting like the exact same furniture that like andrew was laying on like the couch literally looks like the exact same it's so scary upholstered a bunch of stuff that's dedication i appreciate that literally um they also have ouija boards that you can use that just laying around the house (laughs) there's like one in the corner you just go pick it up and use it if you want we need to befriend these people right um, in the guest room where Abby was murdered, they have a crime scene photo framed in the bedroom on like the shelf and the crime scene photo is of Abby. So it's in that room. Oh she was murdered. That's where you're sleeping. You're sleeping you in there. You get to stare at her while you're trying to fall asleep. Yeah. You get to stare at her butchered ass face. It's oh God. Great. Yeah. Um, it's said that Andrew and Abby haunt the home. I mean, if you were murdered, I'd, you'd probably haunt the place too. Yeah. Um, there are reports of the fire alarm going off randomly at 3.08 in the morning. Um, it's also said um, that Mr. Borden will attack visitors who try to steal spare change. So people will leave, like, <laughs> spare coins on a dresser, like a loony uh-huh. toonie. Well, I don't know. If, do they have loonies yeah. and toonies in the States? No, they have dollar bills. It's so weird. Oh, fuck. Okay, so, like, your quarters, like, 25 cents. People will leave, like, those <laughs> coins on there as like kind of like an offering because they know he's like really frugal and stuff to be like hey don't hurt me here's some spare change but then if you go to steal it he'll attack you like people have gotten gotten scratches like burns that like are like scratches yeah you you should try that with me when i die i'm also very frugal i'm gonna do that i'm gonna gonna steal your wine that'll get you mad (gasps) so this is why so i told my dad i didn't my dad asked me what i was doing this week um for the episode and mm-hmm. i was like oh i don't know and then he started singing the nursery rhyme because i've known this nursery rhyme i don't know if you know the lizzie borden nursery rhyme okay 
my dad's just messed up because he's i've known this since i was a kid and he started singing the nursery rhyme on the phone and i was like how did you know i was gonna talk about the lizzie borden house it was brainwave so weird. moment yeah um so it goes lizzie borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax when she saw what she had done she gave her father 41 Ew. that's the nursery rhyme of lizzie <laughs> borden did your dad sing that he was a child you that bet explains so much <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. Explains everything. <laughs> it just baffles me that's a nursery rhyme. Yeah. Um, but apparently if you say this nursery rhyme in the house and you have like either like um like a voice recorder, like an EMF detector, any of those fancy little ghost gadgets, it will go nuts. Like it will start like yeah? screaming at you. Yeah, as soon as you start singing this nursery rhyme. Yeah. People have reported getting scratched during it too, so if you don't have any of those fancy gadgets, it will still attack you if you sing it. Oh god. Yep. It's on my bucket list to go there. I need to go there and sing this damn nursery rhyme, and I'm bringing my father. <laughs> I'll stand outside while you do that. Okay. You enjoy that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the Lizzie Borden house. Ta-da! There's so much I didn't know about that. That house, that's so fucked. Everyone talks about it, but like it's one of those ones you have to talk about. Yeah, know? for sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the the lesbian lover theory. I'm kind of I kind of see that because, yeah. like you said, like why was she up? Like how was she upstairs and didn't hear a murder happening? Yeah. Like. Unless Maggie was murdering Abby and uh, Lizzie was downstairs murdering her father. They did it at the father. same time. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I kind of like that theory. I mean, Lizzie definitely 100% did it. Whether she did it alone or not, I don't know. But, like, she definitely did it. Yep. So that that case is technically unsolved. No one... There's no proof. Yeah, I guess, eh? Yeah. And I was watching um, someone... I forget who it was. Someone on YouTube watched one of them. Did, like, um, a voice recorder asking who killed Andrew and Abby. And they got the voice John like it said john yes i remember that so the uncle and i'm like what but like what if that's lizzie's ghost trying to throw them off yeah it It could be we literally will never know these are two wide open unsolved cases we did this week yeah and we just didn't even know it brainwaves i love when we do that sorry to leave you guys with so many question marks but let us know what you think happened that's the point of these question marks right you do our job for us (laughs) (laughs) tell us your crazy theories and we'll just go based off those exactly yay that was fun yeah i liked that that was fun that was a good case good cases this week yay yes yay but if you want to come talk about these crazy episodes with us we have an instagram it's a spooky hour podcast you can find us on twitter at spooky hour and you can email in your crazy spooky scary stories to us at the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com but you should definitely this week guys let us know your theories because we've got two unsolved cases for you yeah we need conspiracy theories yeah we hope you have a lovely week thank you for tuning in thanks for listening you guys are always so nice and stay safe as everything starts opening up i know it's annoying but just deal with it for now whether you think it's a conspiracy theory or not just deal with it don't yell at grocery store workers just be nice yeah and as always stay spooky stay spooky and a friendly reminder brianna taylor's murderers are not arrested yet Okay, bye. Bye.